Hey everybody, welcome to episode 203 of the Running Rogue Podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, and I'm coming to you from a lovely day in Austin, Texas. I'm excited about my show today because I'm actually going to be chatting with a listener. Sherry from Florida emailed me with a bunch of great questions after listening to episode 190. She's been facing some issues around injury and has been wondering about how to deal with that injury as well as come back from injury. And embedded in her questions were so many questions that I get quite often from runners, just like all of you that might be listening. And so I said, hey, Sherry, let's come on. It'll be easier if we just talk about it so we can share with the world. She was she was kind enough to agree. And so here we go. I'll be jumping into that conversation in just a second, but I've got a couple quick things for intro. First of all, as a reminder, we are selling via pre-order a special edition Running Rogue podcast shirt. You can buy that on our website if you go to roguerunning.com, click on shop. Underneath that is a button for Rogue Gear. You can pre-order by Friday, October 9th and get your special limited edition Running Rogue podcast shirt. So you have until Friday to do that, so get on it. Also, for those that want to take advantage of the deal code that I mentioned at the website Take Care Of... For those daily vitamins that you might be taking or might be interested in, then you can do that by using code ROGUE50 for 50% off your first order. That's R-O-G-U-E 50. And if you're so inclined, you can do that to get a discount for yourself as well as to support the show. And I will really appreciate it. Finally, there's lots to talk about as it relates to the London Marathon and For a moment, I thought I would just talk about it today in my intro, but as I was making notes about the things I want to discuss, I realized that the London Marathon itself and all the fun and cool stuff that happened this past weekend as a part of that event requires its own conversation, and so I'll have a special edition episode on London with my takeaways coming out later this week, so stay tuned for that. But for this episode, as I mentioned, We've got a listener, Sherry from Florida. She's dealing with a little running related injury and wanted to know about how to manage that injury and how to come back from it. And so we're going to bring her on and talk about it. And so we'll tee up that email. We'll get to a little bit on her background and then dive into those questions. And this is, I think, a really good practical guide, especially coming off of episode 190 for all of you on how to manage injury, how to come back from injury and some helpful reminders and tips along the way with the practical story of a real runner out there who's getting it done just like you are. So with that as a quick intro, let's bring Sherry on. Here we go. Welcome, Sherry, to the Running Rogue podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. As I mentioned in the intro, Sherry was so nice to send a question and she had enough questions embedded in her email that I thought it's time to get Sherry on the podcast because I think this will be a teaching moment, not just for you, Sherry, but for a lot of guests because I get the questions that you asked quite often. And so what we're going to do with you today is just actually tee up that email first to kind of get the questions all out on the table. And then we're going to dive into your running journey, talk a little bit about your background and then dig into answering those with you because we're talking about essentially practical application of some things I talked about in episode 190 on rebuilding fitness, particularly after an injury. And so Sherry's facing that now and had good questions about it. So we're going to dig into her questions. So I'll start with Sherry's email. And so Sherry, 
first of all, thanks for listening. Yeah. How's everything? You're coming to us from Tallahassee, Florida. How's everything with that? I am. It's a little bit cooler, so we're getting some relief from that intense heat and humidity for a bit before fall leaves us again for a little yes. while. Yes. Thank, thank you for that weather gods, because we've been getting the same here in Austin, which makes it so much more pleasant to get outside and get it done. All right. So I'm going to read your email and then we're going to dig in, get to know you a little bit more. And I'll cut to the meat of the email. You said, I'd love to get your advice, please. I had a 129 mile month in August here in hot and humid Florida. And then my training took a nosedive in September with only 49 running miles. I rolled into September with a week-long trip to Montana where I hiked, ran only 15 miles compared to my average 25-mile week. I also went into that trip with what I thought was a strained groin, likely overdoing it with the track Tuesday, plus running with my fast run buddies throughout the summer, combing for too much speed work. <laughs> I rested from, a run, from running a week after Montana and then had a great three-miler that Friday. Then my 9.5-miler on Saturday with my fast running buddies where I pushed the pace. Felt good after that, took a bike ride, and then things went downhill. Up until this morning, I hadn't run since, my, since last Wednesday night. Yoga every day and non-weighted hip and glutes. Strength mobility work. Was doing weighted strength training prior, but did hit the gym back a little hard during my first break from running after Montana. I had a comfortable three-mile walk yesterday morning and decided to run three this morning. It wasn't comfortable, but it wasn't painful. I also realized it isn't going to be easy making my comeback. My groin slash hip flexor issue isn't painful, but definitely, ha but I've definitely lost strength in my left leg. I'm just wondering if it's a good idea to continue my non-weighted strength and mobility work with yoga and easy running, or is running a bad idea altogether? I heard another coach say it's okay to keep training if your pain isn't over a five to ten. Like I said, I wouldn't even call it pain. Sorry to be long-winded. I'm really just trying to figure out where to go from here. So that innocent email enough got you on the podcast. <laughs> so you got more than you bargained for. That's crazy. <laughs> All right. So before we jump in to discussing that email and getting you answers, I wanted to just learn a little bit more about you. So you're living in Tallahassee, Florida. Tell us a little bit about your running journey. Give us the Cliff Notes version. Okay. Um, I started running in 20. 12, late 2012. Um, I was living up north of us in Thomasville, Georgia. Um, I did, I downloaded the Couch to 5K app. At that time, I had one um, close friend um, that ran. She was about the only runner I know um, at that time. So I did Couch to 5K and rolled into 2013 and ran my first 5K and really never looked back. Um, I, when I first started running the five or five K training, I had shin splints and then I got fitted for my first pair of, uh, legit run shoes and, um, that remedied itself pretty quick. So that was awesome. And then I just kept on running. Um, I ran my first, uh, half marathon in, uh, the end of that year. Um, so I'm, I downloaded the 10 K app. I downloaded the half app and I just kept kept rolling and I ran with that run buddy um so she was pretty motivational Suzanne so I ran with her um and still didn't stop I ran my first um this same run buddy Suzanne um was 14 weeks out from the marathon the Donna 
um, Cancer Marathon in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, ran that marathon with her. She talked me into that um, with 14 weeks to train. So I ran that February 2017. Nice. <laughs> uh, it was hot. It was humid. Imagine that. And um, I ran it in uh, with a ton of IT band pain. Uh, also had a cold rolling into it. Um, so it was pretty dreadful. I ran it in five hours. Nice. Um, <laughs> and then uh, that crazy, I don't know, you know, before that I always said I'd never run a marathon. And then even that um, pretty uh, painful one, I was like, I gotta do this again. <laughs> um, so I did. And uh, I started, um, let's see. I, at that point, after that, added some strength and yoga in, um, and then ran the Donna again, February, 2018. So the next year, um, cut a little bit of time off on 4.53. And then 2018 is really, I was looking just before to plan before I was speaking with you to look on my log and my calendar and 2018 was pretty pivotal. Um, I really got, uh, say, addicted to running. Um, I got my first watch. I got my Garmin. Um, I found the Wazelle um, Bali. Um, joined the team. I started running summer miles um, and keeping up to the half marathon. So that that was a pretty pivotal 2018 year. That 2018 year rolled into um, training for my fourth marathon. Um, this one, I trained differently. I had always said that I could only run three days a week. I heard you talk about this too on a podcast. <laughs> I would always say I can't run with the IT stuff. I was like, I can't run more than three days a week. Um, I'll get injured. Um, I downloaded a Hal Higdon um, plan for that fourth marathon and started running five days a week and added in some tempo work and continued strength and yoga. And I knocked um, and it was still pretty humid in New Orleans for the rock and roll that February 20. Mm, 19 but i managed to knock 25 minutes um nice. off the time and finished in about 428 so i've always been seeing gains and i've been tweaking things and having improvements so it's just carried on from there so i ran my fifth i'm sorry fourth no that's right yeah so this past January, I ran my fourth, sorry, fourth marathon in Big Beach in uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama, a flat one, which is mm, nice, yeah. but still humid. <laughs> <laughs> you know how to pick them there. Yeah, really. <laughs> and so um, everything has been going pretty well. Um, 2019 was also a change for me. I moved back to here to Tallahassee. Um, so connected with those fast running buddies that I talk about. <laughs> And then picked up with some track work when I joined Gulf Winds Track Club here. Um, and then really started rolling into it in 2020. And then, of course, COVID. Did a lot of training by myself. And then as soon as, as, soon as we could run with people again around here, I hit the track hard. And that's where it all just kind of was the perfect storm in August. Fell apart a little bit. Yeah. Would you say yeah, would you say that August was pretty representative of what you were doing prior to that in, ter in terms of the mileage during the pandemic? Yeah, I look back after I sent that email, I was about 
it wasn't 129, it was 111, which is pretty much, wasn't any huge jump. Um, and I was still averaging about 25 miles a week. And I was, my long runs were averaging about 10. We'd run about a half marathon a month together just on the trails here in Tallahassee. Um, hills, it's a lot hillier here too. So that shifted up. Um, it's hillier here than just 30 minutes up north from us in Thomasville. So Nice. So before we dig too much into your training, I do want to reflect on your journey. So congratulations on getting from... 5k to now being a multi-time <laughs> no big deal let's do another marathon type of runner that's awesome Thanks. and inspiring i i love it when i hear the stories of those that especially those that are, were self-starters that just decided to do it got it done and yeah you had some peer pressure along the way that helped yeah. but it's really really yeah. cool can you talk for a second about how your relationship with running has evolved over the last seven years Gosh, it started out, when I first started running, I really was looking for a change. I um, I have endometriosis, I have infertility, I'd had a miscarriage, I've tried to get pregnant for years and years and years. Um, then my dad, um, who I was extremely close to, um, died suddenly of a heart attack um, in 2011. So 2012 was really pivotal for me. I was starting to the grief was getting better and I was just pretty, pretty depressed. And, um, I'd never been athletic in high school or college. I wasn't sedentary. I love the outdoors. I love fishing, uh, hunting, but I was not athletic. So running was really, it, it found me at a perfect time. So, um, it helps me realize how strong I could be. Um, but also mentally, um, just the runs were, huge um just to get outside of what was going on and get inside my own head and run and get a lot of stuff processed yeah yeah escape from the stress and challenge of everyday life sorry to hear about your dad and your journey there that's that's tough but i'm glad you found this outlet what do you think now about it when you reflect on how far you've come um, I surprise myself um, when I see, I told somebody that I, I've told a couple of people that I still wanted to continue to train for at least one marathon a year because I kept seeing improvements and gains and things that I didn't think that I could do. Um, so as long as it keeps teaching me, um, I'll keep doing it. Um, so physically and mentally, it just keeps teaching me. So um, I enjoy having the structure of um training on the calendar even if it's just some base training to keep with um i, I enjoy having that structure i enjoy i'm competitive <laughs> i like to compete <laughs> with myself um and others um so it just i don't know keeps keeps everything moving keeps me well i like that phrase it keeps teaching me because it's so true there are so many lessons embedded in this journey if you're willing to commit to it and I would submit that you'll probably keep learning if you keep yeah. testing the limits. There's probably not a limit to, to that. But but so, so cool to hear about your journey. Thank you for sharing. What are your goals now? If you think beyond COVID, let's ignore that for a second and just say, hey, you know, if I could go after one thing in 2021, perhaps, 
what would that be? What are you trying to accomplish? Um, before, when we first, my group of friends that I run with, um, the fast ones that I keep talking about, um, our goal was to run the half, um, which is still on in Pensacola. So we were supposed to, I'm, I was supposed to run that half November 7th, um, the women's Pensacola marathon or half marathon. And then I was going to roll into running the marathon into January, the one I ran this past January, but then I had not shared with everybody, but I might as well make it public on your podcast. Right. <laughs> so then I wanted to, <laughs> I really enjoy the trail. I run a couple trail races and we run a lot of trails here in Tallahassee. Um, so I was shooting for hoping for my first 50 K, um, on the trail after the marathon. Now I'm kind of rethinking my goals depending yeah. on how training goes. So I thought it'd be nice to, if I can't run the marathon in January, it would be a nice goal to finally get a sub two hour half. half marathon. Yeah. Nice. I like it. So sub two and another marathon PR, maybe a 50 K on the horizon. Yeah. Do you have a time goal for the marathon? If you, when you are able to line up again, I, um, I did not PR, I, you know, my PR is 428. I feel like I have more in me. I got January, this past January, I was 430, um, unofficially. And I had some tight, um, actually this still this left leg too. I had some tight, um, tendons or something down the front of my front of my leg at the bottom to where it runs into the top of your foot Hmm. and those tightened up on me on mile 18 it was um other than that I felt I felt pretty strong I was keeping with my goal pace um but I would love to get as close I would love to get closer to 420 to 15 I would I'd love to continue seeing gains and just knocking a little bit off yeah well, I think you can probably knock even more off than you might even think because in many ways you're still young in this journey, at least in terms of formal training with all the speed work and, and everything that goes with it. So I think the sky's the limit. I wouldn't put limits on what you can do there, but that's exciting. We'll come back. I want to come back to the goal setting because I want to do, I do want to leave you with some things to think about perhaps based on what we uncover in this conversation, but let's get to your email, kind of dig into these questions that you have. So essentially you're having this pet leg pain and your question is, what do I do about it? How do I manage running during this injury? Perhaps you've got questions about managing the injury itself. And then of course, the age old question, how do I come back, right? Mm-hmm. When, when, I feel, when I feel better again and how should I manage that return to running process? And I talk about some of these things in episode 190. So for those that want some context, you can go back there. But I think this will be the practical application of those things. The first thing I want to just quickly address, we were talking about this a little bit offline, is that it's really, really important as step one in any process-related injury of understanding truly what the injury is and what the root cause of that injury is. and. Again, we were talking about a little bit offline, typically for runners. And again, I'm not a doctor and, you know, but I am a running coach and I have seen trends and patterns in my years as a running coach, plus had a lot of running injuries myself. And typically groin pain in a a distance runner 
is not associated necessarily with the groin itself. That is more of a, a sprint or power related injury when you might have a strain or tear in the groin. So oftentimes when groin pain presents for runners, it's coming from a different issue. And I, I think I mentioned four different possibilities that I've seen. You know, one could be adductor tightness. One could be a bulging disc in the back, which radiates pain to the groin. You could have a nerve issue. There's a nerve called the obturator nerve that starts in the, the, the stomach area, the core area, and runs down the leg. Could also be pelvis alignment issue or pelvic bone stress. And at the very worst case, all of those potential issues can manifest in groin pain. And so if you're a runner who's dealing with groin pain, it's really important to understand what of those four potential things, and there may be others, is these is this injury because they all have different paths of treatment and might have different paths as it relates to how you can run during managing that injury. And so step one for me, my first advice for you, Sherry, and I think you had scheduled a, an appointment with a practitioner would be to see somebody that can help you figure out and triage as to what this injury actually is and what the root cause might be. Okay. So to me, that is step one. And one of the things that we were talking about offline is that you were talking about a trip to Montana, a fall that you had potentially on a hike that could have caused some issue. I, I do think there is a potential chance that what you're feeling could be a related to some sort of pelvis alignment issue. And so that's something you want to rule out before you get too far down the path here. And so it's critical to find a practitioner who understands runners particularly and who knows how to understand how to get to the root cause of particularly soft tissue or overuse related injuries. You said you had someone I think that you had potentially scheduled an appointment with? I did and um now I'm wondering I kind of made that appointment on the fly but I'm wondering if it would be better to do a little bit more research and find um someone more specifically with the running that you mentioned. I think so and this is where finding the right practitioner and those practitioners can come in different forms to to have in your corner as a runner is absolutely critical. And this is no knock on western medicine it's just that typically the issues that we deal with are not the things that are taught in our traditional healthcare environments because our injuries are not related to sickness or to something you know being fundamentally wrong with us they're related to things that we're choosing to do and related to performance and that just oftentimes is neglected or sometimes not even taught in the curriculum in the ways that needs to be taught and so you have to find the right practitioner it might be an md but it could also be a physical therapist, potentially a chiropractor, potentially a DO, and sometimes even other practitioners, massage therapists, sometimes ART practitioners can fall in this category as well. They can really help understand these core issues. And sometimes you need a team of them. Personally, I have a PT, a doc, a doc, an MD, ortho, an orthopedist, a chiro, and a massage therapist that I might see at different times, depending on what I'm facing. And ideally, you find that kind of medical team around you. Not necessarily that you have to see them regularly, but you want to be able to tap into them when you need. And a way to potentially get access to those folks would be to 
to talk to maybe some of your running buddies in the track club. Say, hey, who have you seen and who has helped you through injury? Uh, you could also potentially call up a local running store and ask them who they partner with and who they work with because oftentimes they have those relationships. But I would definitely find a practitioner who knows and understands the running-related issues. Gotcha. Yeah, that sounds good. I can definitely tap into that with the track club here. And you had mentioned, I think you had mentioned an athletic trainer friend. And again, no knock on those type of practitioners, but some of those practitioners are going to understand runners better than others, depending on the typical athlete that they work with. And again, you just want to find that 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 practitioner really understands the issues that runners typically face. And when you talk to them, or see them, you want to see a process by which they're really understanding the root cause, right? They're not just blindly guessing and trying a, you know, prescriptive protocol with you that they're really trying to help you understand what the issue is and why it happened. So that to me is step one as a part of this journey. You know, your second question is, okay, well, what do I do to manage this during, you know, can I run? How do I manage this issue? Is yoga good? Is, is weight-bearing strength good or not? These are all questions that you know, you're asking and that are good questions and that, that anybody would have facing an injury. I would say that my overarching rule as it relates to activity while injured is that if it doesn't hurt you, it's okay. <laughs> if it doesn't hurt you, it's typically okay. Pain is an amazing guide, and oftentimes we like to dull it by taking ibuprofen or Tylenol or something like that, when in reality, it can be a tool to help guide your actions. And I see a physical therapist in town when I have issues, and he's always asking me a question when he has me doing an exercise in rehab. He'll ask me, does it hurt? If it hurts, let's stop and change the activity because there are potentially variations that might still help while not inducing that pain. And so when you have pain, that's a sign that there's an issue. And if you're doing strength that it gives you pain, or if yoga gives you pain, or if certain moves in yoga give you pain, then I would avoid those moves and slip into maybe an alternative move yeah. that's going to allow that pain to not be there. Because that's just a signal that something's not right, and you don't want to aggravate the injury further. And so when you're making decisions as it relates to running or when you're making decisions as it relates to other activities, pain is ultimately your guide and you have to be, you have to listen to it and you have to be really honest with yourself because sometimes we like to avoid it since we, as runners tend to have a high pain tolerance. So, so as you've done those activities, some strength, some yoga, some mobility, how, how has that been for you in terms of pain? Um, it's, I have modified, there's things, there's poses in yoga that I will modify on the left, um, side. So, and then strength training, I was trying to do more single leg strength, but it got to a point where I'm doing double leg squats and things like that. It doesn't hurt. Um, and I'm real careful with lunges to, um, not do them if they hurt. So some of that stuff I, I do do what do what feels good and then if if it feels like it's pushing it then I modify it that's good and you just you again just have to be really honest with yourself about that I know sometimes we like to ignore it or push through so that's sort of rule number one is let pain be your guide but keep doing things I think 
you know, that's maybe rule number zero is don't stop moving because right. most of the time, especially with running related issues, there is a mythology out there that doing nothing is going to help solve the problem. And most of the time, with the exception of, of bone related injuries, or you might have a, a stress fracture or a fracture, then most of the time, some movement is critical to help you heal because it allows the body to not only create the blood flow that promotes healing, but also move so that it can find homeostasis on its own. So keep doing things. Let pain be your guide. And then as it relates to running itself, the rule that of thumb that I use with guidance of the practitioners in my world is that if you have a pain, if you have a if you think about a pain scale of, of one to ten, ten being the most excruciating pain, with one being, you know, barely perceptible pain. Mm-hmm then if you're experiencing pain of a three or less that also doesn't get worse as you run, then typically it's okay to run while you're injured. And again, can also be a helpful thing to promote that blood flow to promote healing. So when you've run, what type of pain have you experienced? Um, it hasn't been sharp pain. The sharp pain has been if I put my left foot down too hard too heavy by itself um it's been just sort of a dull ache in that region um though on that three miler the last three miler on thursday when i emailed you i felt like it got warmed up a little bit on three miles so i was tempted to think that if i run a little bit longer maybe it would have warmed up a little bit more and even in the previous running how i've when i've had just issues with other things that have come up, I've run through them and they've resolved. So this is different. So I'm feeling like, do I need to run through it? Do I need to, so this just feels different than the other stuff that I've run through. Yeah. And adult ache is a hallmark of some of those issues that I talked about there, the back, the nerve, the pelvis potentially issues. Typically those will manifest that way. And so again, we do want to figure out what's going on there, but Again, I would let pain be your guide. If it's three or less and doesn't get worse as you go or you don't feel it after the run, then that's okay. Mm-hmm. If it's starting to get worse when you run or if you're experiencing pain that's more than a three, then I would back off. The other thing to remember while you're dealing with with running and recovering from injury is it's most likely best to avoid speed work. Mm-hmm. Stay off the track because I think that's probably going to aggravate things. You mentioned a little faster run with your running buddies. You know, getting them out there with peer pressure on a speed day or a day where you might be tempted to go too fast is probably going to be something you want to avoid. Sometimes mean being a little bit lonely while you're running through injury, but but you know that's important, right? Yeah. Uh, To be smart about it, and of course, I would also avoid you know a really long run at this point. Your main goal right now is to, as much as possible, maintain routine in a way that's going to keep the pain manageable. And if you can do that, then that'll maintain a base foundation of fitness that's going to allow you to ramp up more quickly when you return versus if you were to take completely off or if you were to to do things where you did too much on one day and then you had to back off for two days and you kind of had this yo-yo that often happens with people when they're in injury mode, that can be uh, dangerous and inhibit potentially that return 
to fitness. So your goal really right now is to run as much as you can on your typical routine. So if you're used to doing five days a week, try to get in five days a week. Okay. I think keep those runs at a at such a manageable level that the pain doesn't increase or that even potentially you feel it gradually getting better. And if you can do that, then that's best case. But once that tips over where pain is higher than a three or it's starting to get worse or build again, then you want to either cut down the total volume that you're doing on each of those days or maybe cut a day or two, whatever it takes in order to make sure that you're able to keep that in control. Um, I do have a question related to that. If I find myself running, but I know I'm compensating, like overcompensating on that right leg, yep. which I felt myself doing on some of those shorter runs when I was trying to run, but yep. then my, my right knee was starting to bother me a little bit. Um, if I find, so it wasn't painful, but if I find myself overcompensating and putting more stress on the right leg, is it still wise to run? That's a great point, Sherry, and a great caveat to my pain rule that if you do start to compensate like that, it's, that's a sign you probably shouldn't be running either. Because essentially what you're doing in that case is you're changing your form so mm -hmm. the pain is manageable. Yeah. And I actually recently made, I made the mistake myself of doing that recently myself. I, I think I've mentioned on here, I've been dealing with a heel nerve issue and that was causing me pain. It was causing compensation because I was trying to run through it, which eventually resulted in some knee issues. I've now resolved the knee issues, but it, it had gotten to a point where I should have been backing down myself on the running because the nerve was causing me to run in a funny way that affected other areas, and that can definitely happen. So you're, you, so you're adding a second rule there on the running, which is that you know, pain of not more than a three not getting worse. And then of course, yes, that you're not compensating or changing your form in order to make that pain manageable. Because if you do, it will cause other issues. And then you get this trickle down effect yeah. that can be dangerous. So that's a good addition to the list. So, so, so those are kind of the key roles. See a practitioner, have them help you figure it out. Manage the strength, mobility, and running using pain as your guide. And then the third thing about managing injury is that you have to be a little bit of a super sleuth detective that's constantly in the process of trying things, getting feedback from your body, and then adjusting accordingly. And so I think this is often where runners get in a frustrated frustrated loop or they might be in a place where they say, oh, you know, I've seen this practitioner. It's not working. They don't know what they're talking about. Well, they may not, but oftentimes they know what they're talking about. They just need that feedback from you so that they can course correct. Because just like if you go and see a doctor and you say, I have this happening to me. If you, if you go to a doctor and you say, I have a fever, a doctor is going to have a list. They call it their differential diagnosis of of, of things it could potentially be. And oftentimes in their head, they're thinking about four or five things it could be. They get more information from you based on other symptoms. And then they triangulate around an issue that, that they think is top of the list of that list of four or five things. And then they'll treat you based on that issue. Well, sometimes because of mixed messages from symptoms or whatever else, they may get it wrong. In which case, if you go back to them and you say, hey, this is now different. I'm not getting better. What else could it be? And then they're going to go to the second thing on the list. And it's the same is true of a PT, a Cairo, an MD. If you're not getting better, 
and you communicate that to them, then they can go to the next thing on their differential diagnosis and say, okay, well, if that's not working, then try this. Or maybe they'll say, well, you didn't give it enough time. This type of injury usually takes X to get better. And so you need to give it more time, stay with it, stay patient. Or usually I see this getting improved or I see improvement from this type of issue already. You're not seeing it. So it's potentially something else. Let's go to the next thing on the list. That process of feedback that you're accepting from yourself, as well as that you're communicating to your practitioner is absolutely critical because you have to learn, listen, course correct if needed. And what I often will tell runners is that I will say, if your pain is changing or if it's getting better, then typically you know something's happening that it's prob- you're probably on the right path. doesn't necessarily mean the pain goes away altogether, but if the pain is different, if it moves, or if you do find that it's getting better, then that's probably a sign that you're on the right track. But if you're doing a bunch of stuff and religiously following the protocol provided by a practitioner, but it's not getting better after a period of 10 days, two weeks, then that's a time to communicate with them and potentially adjust as you go. And the same is true of any activity that you're doing. If you're doing the yoga and suddenly it starts to hurt you, make adjustments. If you're doing strength or running and it suddenly it changes how it's manifesting or gets worse, then adjust. It's a constant process of learning, listening, adjusting until you can start getting it moving in the right direction. And typically you'll know when that's happening right? Is it, again, it'll change or it'll start to dissipate in a way where you feel like it's getting better. And then it's just a matter of sticking with that protocol to keep, you know, trending in the right direction. Yeah, that makes sense. So you got to think about that. And and, the, and what I see, one common challenge I see of runners is they will, they will be impatient with a part of the process or they go into a bit of a shotgun approach where... They just are kind of all over the place trying a bunch of different things. You know, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's go to this person. Let's go to that person. And they're trying a bunch of things, but not really giving anything a chance to work. And they're not, and or they're not methodically working through issues. This is like the scientific method. You know, you, you have a hypothesis, you test that hypothesis. If it doesn't work, then you adjust. But if it does work, you keep doing it. And so that process is so critical And that's where I think it often helps to have somebody guiding you. And again, that could be a practitioner. It could also be a coach. If you have a coach with the track club, you might engage him on this conversation and say, hey, here's what I'm going through. Here's how I'm working through it. Help me navigate this so that you have that objective voice that can work with you when you start to go a little crazy yourself. Yeah, that's very helpful. I've I've seen the improvements just um, since I stopped running on Thursday and just started keeping it really basic, walking when it felt good, doing the yoga, modifying, and doing the strength, modifying, and I can feel the improvements. So, I mean, like you said, if you're you're doing something all over the place, then how do you know what is working? Yeah. Oh, all these things you're (laughs) trying. Yeah. And that's good. And I think you're doing the exact right things. The next thing I would probably add is just a little bit of a short run, you know, go for, go for 20 minutes, see how that feels. If it works, wait a day, go for 20 minutes, you know, on the third day. If it doesn't work, go back to what you were doing and just keep in with the walking and the strength and the yoga. So that's the process that you're going to have to go through. And it stinks that when you, when you deal with a frustrating injury that doesn't have a clear path because it can be very frustrating. 
I'm personally dealing with one of those myself with this plantar nerve issue, which is gradually getting better, but is very stubborn and slow to improve. But I was just, and I was just exchanging texts with a coach friend of mine this morning. You know, she was asking me how I was doing. I said, look, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm trying to stay patient, but I'm getting really antsy. So I have to remember, I have to remember not to go crazy or to start to ramp up too quickly. And she said, she wrote back in text. She said, well, just remember when you have those moments where you're getting antsy, ask yourself, what would coach Chris do? So so I'm trying to my best to listen to my own words, but we're kind of in the same place right now. So yeah, it is, it's, and it's good that other runner, I mean, most every runner gets it. So. At some point. Yes. The other thing to remember, by the way, and I talked about this on one of my podcasts when I had Cindy Kuzma on, we're talking about their book on running and injuries, the psychology of it. You have to remember that the work that you do now to figure out and address the root cause of this injury is going to make you stronger on the other side. That I know is true. Everybody comes back from these things and oftentimes they're stronger because now they've addressed a core weakness that caused the issue in the first place that either won't come back again or that will actually unlock some potential because you've been doing that strength and yoga and mobility and, and stability work that's going to make you a stronger runner. So you have to remember that good will come of it from the lessons learned during this frustrating time. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. That's been the way that things have been in life for me, that those hardest things have made me stronger. So after my pity party last week and some <laughs> help of um, some run, close run friends encouraging me, it's to reevaluate this is a period where I can look at my goals again and see um, and come out stronger on the other end. So that's something I try to work from anyway. So, Well, you're thinking about it exactly the right way. And you tapped into me, so you're doing the right things. Yeah. Now I think we just got to find you that local practitioner who can be a guide with you. Let's talk a little bit about coming back when you do feel like it's time. And so question one really is, okay, well, when can I know that I can come back and start building? And that answer really lies in how you feel. And so, you know, there probably won't be a nirvana moment where suddenly everything's just better. And you think, okay, now I can start building. It won't be that black and white, most likely, because of the, you know, the type of injury you're talking about. And so therefore, that build back is actually going to come gradually as you manage to deal with the injury. And I always tell people that when you're building back, you want to build days first and then distance. And so if you've had a little bit of a break from running and, and you start to build back days, Step one is build those days and build that routine again until you get to a solid routine of however many five days a week, if that's what you're used to. Mm -hmm. Once you have that in place and your injury is still progressing in a positive direction, then you can start to build mileage, not before. And so days first, then mileage. And likely what you'll be doing is managing the injury through that whole process. And what you just want to see is that as you start to build days and then mileage, you don't have any setbacks. You might. And if you do, then that's when you pull back a step, reestablish yeah. that, you know, reestablish that trajectory of positive improvement and then start to build again. So build days, then build mileage. And once you get into build my, building mileage, that's when you can build by about 10% a week. No more than four to five miles per week. 
as another rule of thumb. And then you'll just have to gradually put the pieces back together. Since your injury has been around for more than a month now, I mean, now that we're into October, you said you kind of faced this through September. And that's really over that three-week threshold that I talked about in episode 190. That's when you really have to be patient. And I wouldn't worry about or think about doing any races until you get back to your normal, quote-unquote, normal weekly mileage, which for you is 25 to 30 miles a week. Right. And everything feels good. And once you get to that point and you're thinking, okay, maybe you're still doing a little bit of rehab just to keep things in check, but you've, you've stopped thinking about the injury on your runs, that's when we can start to consider putting races on the calendar again. But, but I would wait until that point. Because the other thing we have to remember is that not only is the injury something you're addressing, but you've also, have, you've also detrained your, the rest of your neuromuscular system. So everything in the body has to readapt to the training loads, not just the injured area. And we often forget about that and then just want to short circuit the process coming back. And that's when we might actually get injured in another area because of that rush back. Garmin won't let me forget that I'm deep. <laughs> Don't you hate that? I've been getting a lot of those myself. I've been doing some short five mile runs and it'll tell me that every time. I am. If somebody could tell me how to turn off that, that function on Garmin, I would love it. I've not spent the time to figure it out because it'll either tell you that when you're in these modes or it'll tell you something like you're overreaching right. when you're actually training hard and it's just mostly seems wrong. So I agree with that completely. But any questions on that rebuild process? No, that the, you answered the ones I did have when, when I, I made all the notes from your seven tips for coming back and I won, I got the start running a little bit when I can the five days that I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, but that was my question of just, um, I don't know. I think it wasn't even a question. I think I knew that um, just in the back of my head that I needed to not focus on any race or anything until I get myself back to my 25 average week. Yep. And just um, like you've touched on too, impatient. But I know that I, I know that what I've been doing so far of just giving it a week, not running, running again has gotten me nowhere. So here I am. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which is okay. Like you said, there's a, there's a bright, there's a bright side to this. There's a silver lining because you're going to be able to get to work out these things, get stronger. So let's talk a little bit about your trajectory because as we've been talking, it's kind of crystallized for me what the process could look like for you. And I think the way you mentioned already thinking about modified goals is already helpful. You know, but if I were coaching you up, I'd say, all right, look, Sherry, we've got the rest of this year, you know, three more months to tr to really try to get this under control and reestablish that base that foundation of running so the hope for me for you would be by december to have managed the injury to be back to your normal running mileage to at the same time have that you know nicely dovetailed with the yoga and the strength that you're doing so by the time you get to january you can turn the page on this this ridiculous year and <laughs> hopefully you know, start to get a, you know, think about races again. Because if I were to map out a 2021 for you, I'd say, look, let's go for that sub two in the spring, you know, in maybe April after a, a nice half marathon build in the spring. And then from there, you could roll into a marathon build to target something in the fall. 
of next year to go after that marathon PR, which allows you not only to rebuild gradually and not jump straight to the marathon after dealing with this injury, but also allows you to work on the half marathon distance. Because if you can run a sub two half, then you can definitely PR and then some in the marathon. And that's only going to help you in that journey to smashing that 428 PR. So to me, that, that starts to piece together a plan. And when I'm in a place like you're in now, which I am, but it, it helps me to, be, to have a long-term vision to say, look, you know, here's how it's going to map out. And if I'm patient, then I will get the payoff down the road. And so I just lay that out for you because as I was thinking about it, it seems to actually dovetail pretty nicely with the goals that you mentioned. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's nice to see it laid out like that. I mean, it, it, I am grieving a little bit, not racing the mm. races that we had planned since we waited so long for the races to even take place. Yep. Um, but that has a potential, like if, like you said, if I'm patient to really pay off next year. Yes, it, and it will. I am certain of that. I like the word you use there, grieving. I think sometimes we don't really think about the grief process in the context of either missing or not being able to attack our running goals, but that's really, it has a lot of the same feelings that you might have grieving a loss of a loved one or someone else. And you have to experience those feelings. You have to let them sit <laughs> and marinate with you because otherwise you bury them and yet eventually you have to pay the piper as you know in terms of dealing with those types of feelings and so you're already you know doing all the right things there the other thing i would talk or i would want to mention to you is that i think as it relates i love the sub two goal as it relates to the marathon i think you need to maybe do a little bit of work to crystallize what that could mean for you I still get a tiny sense that you're not giving yourself enough credit for what you've been able to accomplish and also what you could accomplish with the marathon. And maybe there's a little bit of imposter syndrome going on of thinking, man, I don't even, I didn't even think I could ever be a 428 marathoner. How could I deserve to be faster when the truth is you you're probably still, you know, you probably get much faster and who knows really where you can be down the road if you keep working and keep and stay on this journey. So my other advice would be to sharpen the pen, <laughs> pencil on that marathon goal and really just embrace and own the fact that you're going to smash that 428 and you should probably be setting your sights on something much bigger. Oh, well, thank you for that. <laughs> what, how does that make you feel? Uh, I, I think that, like, you know, we hear, oh, I'm a sub four hour marathon. And I guess that I feel so new to the marathon still and feels like things are really clicking, um, that it seems unreachable, but I never say never. Um, so I do find myself getting faster, especially when the weather is cooperating. Um, so yeah, it doesn't seem totally absurd to hear that. Well, it's, it's not. I mean, I would really think about it because look, ultimately you have to have a personal relationship with your goals, right? You have to understand why and really connect to a purpose associated with it. So it's, I can't tell you what those things are. You have to have that personal relationship, but, but give yourself time to, to set, sit on that because ultimately, I mean, you're really only scratching the surface. I mean, you've got, you're averaging 25 miles a week. That's great mileage, but there's more to go get from that perspective. And yeah. so, you know, I would also think about in 2021, trying to maybe 
up that average from 25 miles a, a week over the course of the year to maybe 30. And then even look beyond that as we go beyond 2021. And so there's an area of improvement that you have. You've also been racing in some tough human marathons. And so I think about New Orleans, you know, for a 428, I mean, who knows what that would have been on a cool day somewhere. So you've already got potential baked into what you've already accomplished. And so sure, yeah, don't, don't limit yourself because I think you've got a lot of potential and are probably only scratching the surface, I would suspect, on the speed side as well. Thank you. Don't neglect to occasionally going after a 5K or a 10K as well because you got to round out the fitness. And yeah. I know it's, it's easy to get stuck on the longer stuff, but we can't forget that those 5K, 10K PRs matter too. Yeah, 10K is probably my favorite to race. I raced a 10K in the marathon relay here in Tallahassee a week after my marathon in January and PR'd the 10K. So nice. Good. Was, well, you could consider... It was a good beginning of the year, and then we all had <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> a people, yeah. <laughs> oh, you could consider maybe doing a 5K or 10K building up to a spring half. That could be a nice appetizer to that, and then rolling into a marathon cycle. So so many things there. I'm going to stop though and just let see if you have other questions for me and, and have we answered the questions that were in your email? Oh yeah. You've definitely answered my questions and added even more. I'm really thankful to have found your podcast. So thank you for the tips. I can thank my run buddy too. She's one of your podcast um, coached athletes. Who is that? Marina Bird. Nice. All right. That's awesome. Well, thanks <laughs> Marina for connecting us to Sherry and Sherry, you know, we do have this great virtual community. I know. So you might have to consider that and because potentially it'd be, it'd be good for you to join as well. Well, I've seen her games, so it's really nice. <laughs> I've been running with her a couple of years and we yeah. should run like on my 20 milers last year for the training. She would run the first or the second 10 with me and my other buddy would run the first 10. So um, I've been running with her a couple of years so I can see um, the game. <laughs> made from your coaching so. that's awesome well i'm happy to be a small part now of your journey and yeah i would love to have you join the, the podcast group if, if, if ever that's of interest do you think that that um women's podcast the one the other podcast i just listened to about mm -hmm. the women's program do you think that that will kick off again or yes we're actually in planning of that now that, that we will open that group up again in january okay also another great group with ruth and jen coaching that group, we've actually had a handful actually be able to race half marathons this fall, which was the original goal. But now many have extended that group to kind of December to do our virtual series, which with Rogue ends in a half marathon. And then they're going to be restarting in January, choosing a different book. They'll still be using the principles of that first book, Roar, but also adding in uh, Dina Castor's book as well as Kara Goucher's book, Strong, to to that curriculum to have some inspiration from some very inspiring women. So that program will restart in January and I'll be talking about the details of that later on episodes of this podcast. So certainly stay tuned. All right. Well, one awesome. more question. Yeah. Um, if I did decide when would you say it's when I'm back to my base, <laughs> if I decided to, join the podcast uh, well i think january would be a perfect time for you to jump back in assuming the next three months go well as you build back and work through this so and i'll be opening up we'll have that women's group opening up i'll be op reopening up 
the the group that Marina's in as well in the same time frame. So so potentially that could dovetail nicely with your your schedule to get back. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sherry, for being oh, willing you. to come on. Thank you for having this, me. This has been Great. awesome. Your, uh, <laughs> your story is inspiring, Juan. I'm rooting for you as you build back from this injury. Thanks, thanks. you too, with yours. Oh, thank you. And uh, yeah, thanks for being so open and, of course, willing to share your story. I know that many will relate to it, so I really appreciate it. Thank you. There you go. Sherry from Florida, everyone. Thanks to her for being so forthcoming and willing to share because I know that her story will help many of you who might be facing the same things or who might at some point face the same things. So there you go. Thanks to her. And of course, if you have questions, you can always email me, chris at roguerunning.com. You never know when you might just end up on an episode. So with that, we'll wrap this episode. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook at Rogue Running. And you can also find us and support us on Patreon. Thanks again for listening. Stay tuned for my London recap later this week. Otherwise, I'll have another episode for you next Monday. Talk to you then.